Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 85 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions, or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you are thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you are already a Muslim who wants to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Um, also, you can follow me on Instagram at with Wa'il. Again, with Wa'il for any future announcements regarding the podcast, whether you know when we take a break or you know the the episode titles and the dates and all these things. Uh, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala be pleased with all of us. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic, and we're getting really close uh, to the end, uh, my dear brothers and sisters. Actually, we have only two episodes left. Uh, the, you know, uh, to end the season and to end the biography of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's been quite a journey. Uh, I would like to thank all of you for, you know, listening and sending all your questions uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, being patient, uh, you know, to get to the end uh, during the season. Alhamdulillah, it's been, it's been a blessing and uh, I'm pretty sure we all learn, uh, you know, new things about our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Uh, so yeah, uh, today we will talk about the farewell Hajj, and as we know, the Hajj is the pilgrimage that Muslims do in a specific time of the year, uh, and uh, it's attached to you know the story of uh, of uh, of uh, Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam, uh, and we know that again it is an extension of the religion of Ibrahim. Like we said, Allah subhanahu wa taala sent. Uh, 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 multiple religions, uh, 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 but it was one message. Again, multiple religions, they all preached Islam. They all preached submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, monotheism. Follow the Prophet who was sent to you, all of them. They just had different sharias, they had different laws and regulations, which make them different religions, but they all came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with only one message. So, the Hajj was a thing that Prophet Abraham, uh, peace be upon him, used to do as well, right? And like everything that the pagans of the uh, Arabian Peninsula d- did, which was they twisted the rituals of the Hajj. So for example, they used to do the tawaf that we talked about around the Kaaba, but they used to do it naked. And the reasons uh, for that was because they, they, they thought we are too sinful and we committed sins while we were wearing our clothes, so we will take them off to purify ourselves. Weird rituals, but that's how they did it. So on the ninth year of the hijrah, on the ninth year of you know the emigration, the Prophet ﷺ commanded some of the companions to go and, and perform hajj. It was Abu Bakr, he was the leader, and 300 uh, Muslims uh, went with him. The Prophet ﷺ himself did not perform hajj that year because of what I just told you the weird rituals that were taking place. You know, it's not befitting for the Prophet ﷺ to, you know, do tawaf while there are naked pagans doing tawaf with him. So the Prophet ﷺ basically uh, told Abu Bakr to go and perform hajj. And while he was, you know, he's at, uh, at the haram uh, by Mecca, he should abolish 
and end these weird uh, pagan rituals. Not just that, pagans after this were not allowed to perform hajj anymore because number one, they're not even doing it the right way. They're doing shirk. So they're not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, now, Abu Bakr, uh, he, he left for Mecca. There were uh, also uh, uh, verses from the Quran that were revealed to, to the Prophet So Abu Bakr left with 300 Muslims. They went to perform hajj. And after he left with, with a little bit, he didn't reach Mecca yet. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the first verses from the chapter of Tawbah. Uh, you know, Bara'atan min Allahi wa ahadtum mushrikeen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala literally sent down, and that was the, that's verse number one in the chapter of Tawbah. Basically, all treaties, all peace treaties with all of the pagan tribes will be null and void within four months. Again, Allah is giving the pagans uh, in the uh, Arabian Peninsula for months. And after that, there will be no more peace treaties. What is that supposed to mean? Meaning either they learn about Islam and if they want, they can embrace it or they have to leave. There is no more paganism in the Arabian Peninsula. It won't be allowed. It won't be tolerated. And why would it be tolerated? Like why Mecca had to have no idolatry? Because it's the capital of Islam. You can't have you can't have any remnants of idolatry in the capital of Islam, in the capital of monotheism, in the capital of worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So that was again, this is Allah's uh, decree that anybody who does not worship now, we'll talk about the the, the people of the book because the people of the book are a different story. Like the the Christians and the Jews in the Arabian Peninsula, they were allowed to stay and perform uh, their you know uh, their rituals and keep their rituals and their beliefs, no problem. Paganism was the thing that wasn't allowed. You are not allowed to do rituals and, and, and again, worship, uh, commit shirk in that way. So the the Muslims were, you know, uh, offering uh, the pagans because of these verses. Now, Ali ca- caught up. Now, the Prophet received, let me tell you the story of, of the verses, received the verses and he needed to get them to Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr was already on his way. He should convey the message to everyone. So uh, the Prophet ﷺ sends Ali, his cousin, Ali ibn Abi Talib, to uh, basically give the message to Abu Bakr. Ali was the one who was going to announce it. Abu Bakr was still leading the Muslims there. So uh, And they started announcing these verses and reciting these verses to the pagans to let them know what's going on. It's basically like a, you know, a contract or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's an announcement. Let's go to the verse number five in the chapter of Tab. This is all talking about, you know, this, this, no, no more peace treaties, no more dealings. Uh, I mean, you cannot worship uh, idols anymore in Arabian Peninsula. Verse number five is the most misinterpreted verse in the Quran, is the most abused verse in the Quran by Islamophobes and some extreme uh, Muslims. And basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the verse, فَإِذَا انْسَلَخَ الْأَشْهُرُ الْحُرُمُ فَاقْتُلُوا الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ وَجَدْتُمُوهُمْ وَخُذُوهُمْ وَحْصُرُوهُمْ وَقْعُدُوا لَهُمْ كُلِّ مِرْصَدٍ Now, this is, and I'm, this is, I'm not even, you know, exaggerating, on, on, on like, you know, any Fox News in specific, they, they love this verse. When they try to smear Muslims, they try to ruin the image of Islam, they love to, uh, uh, you know, put down this verse. So what does this verse say? It says that after the four sacred months, if you found the pagans, fight them 
kill them in a battle, kill them and capture them, whatever, lay siege to them, uh, uh, you know, lay down in the bushes for them, like basically end what they're doing. And of course, Islamophobes, when they take this verse and they say, look, their God, which is the ultimate God, but they don't know that, unfortunately, is telling them to kill the non-Muslims. That's what they take from that. Forget about the context. They don't care about the context. They're saying in the in the Quran, it is said to the Muslims, kill the non-Muslims. Fight them and kill them and lay siege to them and you know capture them and and they're basically generalizing the verse. But they don't tell the story. And I'm glad that we're again, and that's that the, the the beauty and the importance of the biography of the brother of what we're doing right now. It puts certain things into context in context now we said that the that the pagans were allowed four months to stop their idolatry leave now after the four months if you don't want to stop you have to leave no war here you have to leave or stay but stop worshiping idols meaning you know convert to islam or if you want to become christians you know a christian or a jew no problem just you cannot be uh, a pagan anymore so the muslims gave four months based on these verses four months declaration this is it you have four months take your time this four months is not you know it's four months you have a lot of you know a, a lot you know you have a lot of time to you know think things over to study islam to do whatever and guess what if you, if it's not for you it's not for you just leave now after the four months if there were still pagans, that means what? It's a declared war because they don't care. They don't honor the declaration. They don't honor the announcement. They don't care. They're basically saying, do whatever you want. In that case, if they stay, that means they're breaking this announcement. They don't care about what you're saying. They don't care about Allah's decree. Then fight them because they want to fight. Do you understand? Like, if I tell you, hey, man, this is my land. This is all because this is sacred land of the muslims this is allah's land this is the capital of islam like we said allah is worshipped has to be worshipped the right way in the haram so i'm telling you you can this is my land i'll give you four months to leave pack your bags and leave four months to find and guess what if you are willing to comply with my ruling because this is my land i'll let you stay you can stay but if you're willing to you know, follow the commands, uh, my commands and whatever, since this is my land. This is simply what I'm telling you. Four months, either you uh, uh, submit, not in a bad way, not in a negative way, you know, or leave. Now, what if I come to my place and I find you still there after the four months? Well, I'm going to have to fight you because that means you don't care. You're not willing to leave. And meaning you're not willing to leave, that means it's, it's, it's war. It's an open war. And that's exactly what the verse, uh, uh, verse number five in the chapter of Tawbah is saying. Allah is saying explicitly, after the four months, they also forget to mention that, uh, ironically, when they use this verse. After, after the four sacred months. After the four sacred months. Now, the, the scholars have differed here. They don't know if the four sacred months are our four sacred months that we talked about multiple times. Or 
there were the four months that were given as a uh, a period of time, you know, like to you know get your get your stuff ready and leave. It doesn't really matter. It's just they were given four months period. So Allah is saying, after the four months that we're giving to you guys, if Allah is addressing the Muslims, if they're still there, that means they want war, then fight them. Simple. And guess what was funny about this? There was no fight. People who wanted to leave, they left. And people who, and the majority accepted Islam, they stayed. We're talking about, now Quraysh already accepted Islam a while ago. We're talking about the, the surrounding tribes. Those pagans who participated in the battle of Hunayn, remember? Those pagans, there were still pagans. You know, there were still pagans. So now is, is, is a matter of, you're still pagan. Okay, go do this somewhere else. Not in Mecca. Do it somewhere else. And guess what? Though it was the most peaceful transaction ever. Very few minority left. But the majority stayed and they embraced Islam and they became some of the best companions. Like, again, we shouldn't be surprised. It's been the theme throughout the whole biography. People who hate Islam at first, they hate Islam at first. They learn about Islam, they be like, oh, wait, what? And then they become more and more of, of, you know, of believers. And once they become more believers, you find them like, look at Omar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhu. May Allah be pleased with him. Omar was one of the worst enemies of Islam. People, Muslims used to fear Omar before he became a Muslim. Remember? Where is Omar now? Where is Omar now? Come on. He is one of the, subhanAllah, the strongest believers. One of the, he's the second in command after Abu Bakr. I mean, when you talk about top companions, Abu Bakr comes first. Omar, can you imagine Omar? Comes second, the one who you know punched his own sister, not on purpose. He punched her husband for becoming a Muslim, and she got the punch. That man became a very strong. Omar, Omar's faith became so strong. We said this multiple times that the shaitan, the devil, if he sees Omar, this is literally, this is not a figure of speech. This is not metaphorically. If shaitan sees Omar walking from one street, the shaitan takes a different route. This is an authentic hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ told us this. He, wh- wh- how does he know it? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So those verses were nothing but a warning. And it worked. And the majority of the people who accepted Islam became very, very famous companions, subhanAllah. Now also you need to know like this verse, verse number five, how does it end? فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ فَخْلُوا سَبِيلَهُمْ even if you capture them, even if there were still some people who want to defy you and they want to go to war with you, if you capture them and they learn about Islam and they do salah and zakat, they become Muslims, let them go. Let them go. Right? Even though they defied you in the beginning, but still, let them go. And there's actually a proof. This, there's an incident that, again, there's no fighting will take place. Like we said, no fighting will take place. But here's a more interesting point. Those Islamophobes who use this verse, verse number five, they always neglect and on purpose ignore verse number six. Always. You never hear anybody who is using this verse talking about, write the following verse. They don't talk about it. Verse number six says what? وَإِنْ أَحَدًا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَأْجَرَكَ فَأَجِرُهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ أَبْلِغُهُ مَأْمَنَهُ ذَلِكَ بَأَنَّهُمْ قَوْمٌ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Allah saying if a pagan seeks your protection, 
Now we gave it. We gave four months, right? The Muslims are giving four months to the pagans. If one of them comes to you seeking your own protection, you are supposed to attack him, and he comes and be, be like, "I, I, I want to seek protection from you. I'm ignorant about Islam." They're ignorant. Give them protection. This is verse number six in the chapter of Tawbah. Give them protection until you explain to them what Islam is, and once they learn Islam. And once they realize what Islam is, give them the choice. Do you want to become Muslims or do you want to leave? The choice, the second choice is always leave. There is no fighting here. You have to understand, this is critical. For those who claim that, again, Islam was spread by force, 100% not. We explained this plenty of time throughout the, the, the season. So verse number six is never mentioned when somebody, you know, try to smear Islam. Nobody mentions verse number six where Allah tells you know the Muslims. If somebody from the pagans come coming and seeking your uh, your your protection, give them protection. Teach them about Islam, and if they don't want Islam, let them go. If you want to become Muslims, welcome them. It's that simple. It's that simple. Subhanallah. Anyway, the final point regarding these uh, you know uh, quote unquote controversial verses. They're not controversial at all. If you know what you're talking about, and if you put it in uh, put them in context is that those verses were also aimed towards this one specific incident. This is not a generalized thing. This was regarding Hajj, regarding Mecca, regarding the Haram, regarding the Kaaba. That's it. It's not generalized on uh, you know for everyone, for all times. No, 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 no. This verse was clearly, again, when you put it into context, you know, clearly addressing one specific incident. And again, uh, those who misuse the verse never mention that and they always fail to mention uh, this part. Now, uh, Abu Bakr goes and and him and the rest of the Muslims, they perform Hajj while Ali and Abu Huraira, we talked about Abu Huraira, the, the preserver of the, of the Sunnah, uh, they basically uh, uh, convey the commands to the pagans now. Everybody in Mecca is hearing this. So they, they basically tell them four important things. Number one, no one shall enter Mecca except for a Muslim. And this happens until today, by the way. You cannot enter the Haram unless you're a Muslim. You cannot enter the Haram unless you're a Muslim. No one shall do tawaf naked again. You cannot. You have to put your clothes on if you're doing tawaf. And no pagan shall perform hajj because when pagans perform hajj, they commit shirk. Shirk is not allowed again in, uh, the, in Mecca. And the last thing was any treaty with the pagan tribes shall end after four months. We already talked about this part. And again and again, idolatry had to end in Mecca because it it is until now the capital of Islam and it will always stay the capital of Islam until the end of time. And like we said, Christianity and Judaism were completely allowed to practice their religion. No problem uh, uh, here at all. Now, Remember I told you there was an incident regarding those who didn't listen? So there was a tribe by the name of Najran. And actually it exists right now like that. The area of Najran, it's actually the south of Saudi uh, Arabia. And it's in the north of Yemen. So it's on the border between Yemen and Saudi Arabia. After the four months, Najran didn't respond. They didn't leave, nor they said they accepted Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ sent Khalid ibn al-Walid with a mini army to go there and deal with them. Now, and look at this. Even though, and this is again affirming those verses, Allah saying what? When you capture them, when you siege them, 
give him a chance. Still, after the four months, give him a chance. If they learn about Islam and they want to become Muslims, let them go. So Khalid bin Walid goes there and he announces, he sends a crier in the city saying, you guys have three days to come and talk to us. Three days to come and talk to us. So after three days, actually way before the three days, maybe after a day or two, they come outside and they all submit and they embrace Islam. And Khalid got confused. He's like, uh, I came here for war. What's happening here? Every single one of them embraced Islam. So Khalid got confused. So what should I do now? So he sent uh, to the Prophet So the Prophet asked Khalid to uh, you know, make them uh, uh, send some sort of a delegation like the rest of the delegations from the other tribes to go and meet with the Prophet so he can talk to the Ram of Islam, make sure that they are actually authentic. They're not playing games. And it was confirmed they were sincere and they did want to embrace Islam and the Prophet taught them about Islam. It was like any other delegation and that was that. Now, in the 10th year of the Hijrah, of the emigration, the Prophet now when everything was set and that's it, no paganism, no uh, any uh, pagan rituals, nothing, the Prophet decided to perform the Hajj. Now, the question is, and, and by the way, when the Prophet decided to perform Hajj, this caused a massive number of Muslims to perform Hajj at the same year. Why? Imagine, they all want to be with the Prophet Imagine, you heard that the Prophet you know, if he was alive and he's performing Hajj, you will just go. You will do whatever it takes to do that, to perform that Hajj on, this, on that same year. SubhanAllah. So, it was the largest audience our Prophet ﷺ had in his entire biography, even more than any battles or any wars with the armies. The largest audience, thousands and tens of thousands of people going to perform Hajj, subhanAllah. Now, here's a very interesting question. Why was it called the farewell Hajj? Well, the Prophet ﷺ, during you know, the, the pilgrimage, he kept bidding farewell to everyone. He kept saying goodbye to everyone. And nobody understood why was he doing that, but they just called it the farewell hajj because he was saying goodbye to everyone. And at this moment, the reason why the Prophet was saying goodbye to everyone because he knew he was about to die. He had a premonition from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he was about to die. So those who, you know, he would never see again, those, you know, coming from like external tribes and so forth, he kept telling them goodbye because he knew that he wouldn't meet them again. So anyway, our Prophet and the Muslims, you know, during the Hajj, and you know what was fascinating about this, that the Muslims did not even doubt for a second that the Prophet was going to die. They never even thought about it. They loved him so much that they couldn't accept the fact that he might die one day. And we'll talk about that when we get to the final episode of the season, inshallah. But anyway... The Prophet and the Muslims kept, you know, repeating For those of you who know, these are the, the, the talbiyas that the Muslims uh, do uh, during the Hajj or during the Umrah, both. And we talked about the talbiyah before and we mentioned the meanings, you know, Oh Allah, we are answering your call to perform Hajj or Umrah. And, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, we declared that you are the only God and all these things. So. The Prophet uh, prayed in front of the maqam of Ibrahim while reciting the chapter of the Kafirun and the chapter of Ikhlas. Now, what, what I'm about to say, I, I don't want to get into you know uh, too much of the, the, the rituals of the Hajj 
this could be for another episode because we are here, you know, still uh, uh, talking about the the story on what happened and 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 the sermons that the Prophet you know, gave. So uh, again, he was reciting the chapter of Kafirun and Ikhlas in front of the Maqam of Ibrahim. Then uh, he kept saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Walillahi alhamd. Allahu Akbar kabira walhamdulillahi kathira wa subhanallaha bukratan wa asila la ilaha illallah wahdahu sadaqa wa'da wa nasara abda wa a'azza junda wa hazama al-ahzaba wahda la ilaha illallah wala na'budu illa iya mukhlisina lahu ad-dina walaw kariha al-kafirun I know it's a lot of Arabic some of you probably might have understood but some of you didn't. So basically what we're, what the Prophet is saying, Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. And uh, all thanks be to Allah, walhamdulillah, wa subhanallah, all praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he's saying, Sadaqawad, Allah kept his promise. What, what promise is that? Islam to be flourished. Islam to be on top of any other religion in terms of anything. You know, وَنَصَرَ abda. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave victory to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and to the Muslims. And he honored his soldiers, the Muslim soldiers. Remember the Confederates, the Battle of the Trench? It is also called the Battle of the Confederates because the amount of people conspired against the Muslims. Allah, who, who took care of them? Like we always say, who took care of them? It was not the Muslims. They did what they had to do. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave them uh, victory. Then uh, we move on to La ilaha illallah again, the, the testimony of faith. We do not worship anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are sincere and we're loyal to Allah, even if the pagans and the disbelievers hated us for it. Now, after this, the Prophet ran between the Safa and the Marwa. There are two basically green small mountains or posts. That again, if you look it up, it's there. I don't want to get into a lot of detail again with the rituals because if you guys know them, you know them. If you don't know them, it won't make sense. So, inshallah, we'll try to dedicate a whole episode about what is Hajj exactly and what are the rituals. So, uh, then he went to Mina, and it's it's another place, and he prayed there, Dhuhr, uh, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr. All the prayers, he prayed it there. Then he slept over in Mina. Then the next day, he went to the mountain of Arafat. And this is the famous mountain. For those of you who know anything about you know Hajj, you'll see that they always show, uh, if you go on YouTube and, and put the mountain of Arafat, they, all the Muslims stand on top of that mountain. And this is when you you know sacrifice the animal and the sacrifice uh, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, they make, and he kept making dua. And that's what the Muslims, again, if you look at the videos, they keep making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he prayed Dhuhr and Asr there. And uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, revealed one of the most emotional verses to me. Uh, and wallahi, every time I hear it, it just makes me, I don't know, it's, it's very emotional. makes me very emotional. Uh, the chapter of Ma'idah, verse number three. The chapter of Ma'idah, the table. Uh, verse number three. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, الْيَوْمُ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمْ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ Allah is saying, Today, I completed your religion to you and perfected my blessings upon you and chosen Islam to be your religion. Allah simply saying, this is it. 
this is it. Now, this is not the last verse to be revealed. Actually, the last verse, I think it's the verse of uh, uh, the chapter of Nasr. But Allah is simply saying, this is the end. You know, we got to the end of the road now. And it's very emotional, this verse. I don't know why. It just It's like Allah is, he gave us what we needed and that's it. No more revelation. Again, that will be like minor verses, like very minor verses to be revealed after this incident. But Allah is saying, in the majority of things, in in the general for the you know in in, in uh, the the general picture, you're done. No more rulings, no more nothing. This is it. Live by the Quran now. You know, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي. I perfected my blessings upon you, which is the blessings of the Quran. I perfected my blessings. This is all you need. This is all you need. Quran and the Sunnah to get to paradise. This is it. This is all you need from me. And subhanAllah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who hold the Quran uh, uh, in, in a high status and follow it and do whatever we can to, you know, to fulfill the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyway, our Prophet ﷺ gave a sermon uh, on the mountain of Arafah. Uh, and subhanAllah, the, a miracle took place actually. He, uh, he was so loud that people in their own tents were able to hear her, his voice. It was as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amplified. There were no microphones back then. So like, you know, there was no any like any electronics to make the Prophet ﷺ, the, his, uh, to make his voice amplified. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of course, amplified his voice and he made people who were really far away from the mountain of Arafat to hear the Prophet ﷺ clearly. Then the Prophet ﷺ gave us a, a simple uh, yet firm uh, commands to the Muslims. Killing. No more. Now the Arabs, not the Muslims, the Arabs before Islam, they used to kill one another like, you know, uh, in terms of like retaliation, in terms of it was, killing was simple and easy. So Allah, Islam came to abolish these things. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade killing, stealing, usury, which is interest, doubting intentions, abusing women. And the Prophet said, Fear Allah in your women. Fear Allah in your women. Fear Allah in your women. Three times. Then he kept talking about the family rights. Be good to your parents. Be good to your siblings. You know, Islam is the perfect religion. If a minority of the Muslims abuse this religion, that's not what Islam is. Islam is what I'm telling you guys right now. Be the perfect human being as much as you can. That is what Islam all about. You know, no killing, no stealing, no usury. Because usury leads to corruption. Capitalism, we all know about capitalism. It's based on usury. Doubting intentions, you cannot doubt. We talked about this before. You can't doubt anybody's intentions. Why? Because you simply don't know them. You know, then... He gave uh, a general advice uh, advice to all the Muslims. He said, I left you something that as long as you're holding on to it in this life, you shall never go astray, which is the Quran. Then the Prophet asked them a question. He said, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks you about me, what would you say? 
So they responded. Of course, the, the gist of the, 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 the of the response was, "You convey. We will say that you conveyed the message fully, with complete sincerity." And then when they said that, the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands to the sky and he said, Oh Allah, bear witness. Oh Allah, bear witness. Oh Allah, bear witness. Three times. Allahumma fashhad. Allahumma fashhad. Allahumma fashhad. Oh Allah, bear witness that I conveyed the message as you gave me. Now, what you need to understand is that the Prophet ﷺ is indirectly telling them, I'm leaving. That's it. I'm about to die. You know? And he's basically want to make sure that he conveyed the message as he was supposed to. And when they all admit, he said, oh Allah, bear witness now. Now, what happens is on the day of judgment, very interesting thing will happen. Prophets and messengers will be witnesses on their people. And people, the nations, will be witnesses on their prophets and messengers. What is that supposed to mean? Meaning that Allah will ask the people, did Prophet Muhammad conveyed the message to you and the people will be witnesses. They will say yes or they will say no. Of course, you can't lie on the day of judgment. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will move to the prophets and messengers and they will say, you conveyed the message. Did they accept? Here comes trouble now for those who don't believe. And the prophets and the messengers will be witnesses on us. Did we follow the rules? Did we follow the message or not? So that's why the Prophet is asking them right now in this life. Because if you guys, if I missed anything, let me know. If you felt anything weird, let me know so I can, you know, make it right. Then, he gave the definition, one of the things he said in, during the sermon, he gave the definition uh, to being a Muslim. He defined what is a Muslim. And one of the definitions of a Muslim is the one that people are saved from his or her tongue and actions. Al-Muslim man salim al-nas lisanuhu wa fa'lu you cannot don't hurt people with your tongue don't hurt people by your actions he also said that pray your five daily prayers fast ramadan pay your zakah and of course they were already performing hajj so perform the hajj you shall enter jannah like subhanallah like it's the simplest thing. This is, again, we talked about this. This is the bare minimum. The Prophet is asking, do it right. That's why we try to do a little bit more because we don't know if we actually do it right or not. Do it right and you shall enter Jannah, inshallah. Also, the Prophet gave a revolutionary little speech about racism. He said, all of you are from one who is Adam. No one is preferred over the other except for their deeds. And this was actually indeed revolutionary because no one at the time spoke about human rights and said that we're all equal. No one. No one. Tribalism was there in, in the Arabian Peninsula and outside of in the Roman Empire, in the Persian Empire, everywhere. There was this lineage. You know, there was this, I'm, I'm from this and that. I'm, I'm, I'm white. You're black. I'm white. You're brown. Or, you know, it's, it was the racism existed back in the day. And the first person to leader to publicly say we're all from one, to declare that we're all coming from the same father, same mother. But eventually, because uh, you guys know Eve came from Adam. So that's why the Prophet said we're all from one. The original human being is Adam. The first human being is Adam. We all came from Adam. Allah does not look at our skins because he gave us the skin color. 
He gave us our wealth. He gave us our status. He gave us our lineage. Why would Allah look at that when he gave us all those things? What Allah looks at is your own deeds now. When it comes to worshiping Allah. Do you do good deeds? And who has better deeds? That's the only difference that Allah looks at. Nothing else. Then, you know, he com- uh, continued doing the rituals. He went to Al-Muzdalifah and combined Maghrib and Isha, slept over. Then he prayed Fajr and kept making dua until sunrise. That's what actually we do right now during Hajj. Then he went uh, to the area of uh, throwing pebbles, the seven pebbles against the shaitan. Again, that was from the tradition of, uh, of Abraham, which is a very, you know, uh, valid tradition. Then he went to the place of the animal sacrificial. And to sacrifice animals for the sake of Allah, and as we all do, that's why you know you, you sacrifice uh, sheep or lamb or uh, you know because of the story of Abraham. Remember the story of Abraham when he had a dream that he was supposed to sacrifice his own son Ishmael or Ismail, and they both agreed and they both knew that because we like we said a dream for a prophet or a messenger is not a dream; it's a command from Allah. It's a message from Allah, and Ismail agreed with it. His son Ismail, he was like. If oh Allah, do whatever you can and you'll find me from those who are patient. And lo and behold, he was about to literally slaughter because he had a dream that he's slaughtering his own. For those who don't know the famous story, he was about he had a dream he's slaughtering his own son. And a command came from Allah. He cannot disobey the command, even though it's his son. But it's Allah's command, direct command. And that was a test, by the way. For those who will ask, why did Allah give him such a command or such a dream? To test both Ismail and Ibrahim or Ibrahim and Ismail and so Ibrahim was like okay Prophet Ibrahim was like I'm going to slaughter you and he was about to and Allah brings down uh, a lamb that basically uh, Abraham uh, understood that he's supposed to slaughter this lamb instead of his own son and that he both they both passed the test and of course we know that Ishmael or Ismail became a prophet as well and we know that the Prophet ﷺ himself is from the descendant of Ismail so now that's why we slaughter and we sacrifice animals uh, uh, on that day uh, of Arafat uh, and uh, basically uh, uh the Prophet ﷺ started slaughtering the animals and it was reported that the camels, because you can slaughter camels, camel uh, meat is definitely supposedly very delicious and it's edible. But anyway, camels were running towards our Prophet ﷺ to be slaughtered. Can you imagine? Usually, usually when you're about to slaughter an animal, I don't know if you guys witnessed this, I witnessed it, uh, you know, like like you know, butcher doing it one time or, or, or twice in my life, uh, that animals are afraid. Uh, and they try to run away. The camels were running towards the Prophet ﷺ, competing with one another who would get there first. Subhanallah. And that was, of course, a miracle that was only given to the Prophet. ﷺ. Anyway, the whole ritual was over. The ritual of Hajj was over. And uh, again, like we said, the Prophet ﷺ kept bidding farewell to everyone who was leaving. And none of them had any idea that the Prophet Sallallahu uh, won't be seen by them again. Now we're talking about those who came from other tribes, not the people who live in Medina. The people who live in Medina will be with the Prophet Sallallahu uh, because the Prophet Sallallahu will die in the 11th year of the Hijrah, right after this incident, a year after this, the, the Hajj. And uh, that brings us to literally the end of uh, our uh, biography uh, episodes uh, so inshallah, next episode, we will talk about what we've learned from the Prophet Wasallam and uh, the whole purpose. Why are we studying him? 
and why we're studying his life. Um, and uh, right after will be the episode uh, we will talk about how did Prophet Muhammad وسلم, die and uh, uh, we will talk about the incident it was it mentioned in a lot of detail uh, and that will be it for this season inshallah so thank you so much for listening wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh